0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com.
1: All right, so we've got all kinds of change going on. Um, youth leaders, I've got a question for you to consider. Consider the idea of the youth maybe staying with us this morning. So it's up to you guys to decide. I don't know what you have planned. But what we're sharing during the message especially, I want the kids to be able to hear because, well, it's, they're, they're actually more important than the adults. So, um, and you'll see why when we get to it. So we're going to start. There's so much changing, but I want to start with one of the first things that's changing is elders. So our, we have two elders that have served, and they, we serve for a period of time, and then they step down. And then we search through scriptures, search for people, pray, and we have a couple elders jumping on. So I'd like all the elders that are on the team now to come up and those that are stepping down, if you guys could all come up together. And for those of you that don't know much about how elders work, there's a scripture I want to show you. There's a ton of them. But this is Acts 14, I believe, verse 35. Um, So when Bud can get it up there. I hit him with it last minute. I said, hey, bud, why don't you throw that slide up there? So um, it may take him a couple seconds to find it. But when when we planted branches, uh, there's so many different ways to do leadership. And the way that we chose to do leadership was to choose the way Paul and Barnabas planted the churches they planted. Um, That's actually when I was in Africa. Um, I had no intention to ever be a pastor. I had no intention to ever plant a church, but while I was teaching through the book of Acts, um, I looked at Paul and Barnabas, and this thing popped up where it was like, wait, did they, I, I always thought that the church just said, hey, you two go, like told them what to do. But if you look at it in, in Acts 9, maybe they came to the church and said, we surrender all. If you want to use us, use us. And so then they said, uh, yeah, we're going to use you. And they sent them out and said, go plant some churches. And this is what they did for leadership. They appointed elders in each of these churches with prayer and fasting, which we've done. And so these were the four elders that were there before. Um, and so Chad, who served from the very beginning, he stepped off. And then we cheated and brought him back on real quick. And then Jeremy, they finished their term, so to speak. But once you're an elder, you're always an elder you're not always on the leadership team. And so, but we have two more elders. I don't know why they're nervous, but Kim and Brad, can you guys come up? So these are the two elders that are joining us now. And so what we're going to do is um, we're going to have Rich and Russ. They're going to pray over Jair and Chad as they step off. And then we're going to have Jair and Chad choose whichever ones they want. And then they're going to pray over Brad and Kim. Okay, so let's get you guys a little more centered so you're not all the way over in the corner. And then I'll let you guys just kind of take it from there and I'll hide on the corner. All right, you could find a seat. Find a seat where you can. We have seats up here that we're definitely going to have to fill. Something I learned uh, way too late in life. And I learned it from my South African friend. Um... The ladies always get the chairs, so if for some reason there aren't enough chairs, hand it over to a lady, then you can go to the uncomfortable spot. Of course, as always, the front row is wide open, so you can take that. I want to thank you guys for coming this morning. Um, it's, uh, it's been unique, telling people there's a time for change, and so to hear all of the assumptions that people have come up with, um, it's kind of like TMZ. People get all excited. I've had people approach my good friends who don't even come to branches and, they're like, so, and they're trying to be real sly about it because they know that they're close with us. So, um, yeah, we heard this t- change going on at branches. And they kind of wait, see if they're going to, if my friends are going to speak up. And then they don't. And then they, the other people start saying a few more things. And then my friends will go, are you trying to get something from me? Because I actually know nothing. So we've heard, um, uh, branches closing down. We've heard uh, that, um, well, some people expect the worst, like, book has been unfaithful and he's going to share it. <laughs> That's not the kind of thing you put on social media and go, everybody, come on over. Uh, no one else has done that either. Um, uh, we're not, when, when God called us to plant branches, he made it very clear that he was calling us. And so until he calls us out, we don't leave. And to my knowledge, he hasn't called us out yet. So that's not the news either. We're not stepping down. Um, I mean, maybe the leadership team will fire us. But um, I'll have more to share to that later in the actual message message. But I want to share the changes. This should be nothing new because changes have been happening the whole time here at Branches. So We shared a little bit about um, the elders and that change. So what I'm going to share about is I'm going to share about some finances and some space decisions, but again, when we say it's a time to change, don't be waiting for the big bomb to drop. You know what I'm saying? Like people are like, okay, what is it? Was that it? No, okay, that wasn't it. Let's wait. Maybe it's going to share at the very end. There's changes. This is a time to change, and we're going to talk about what do we do during this time of change? What does it look like? But... Um, we've shared with the finances before, and uh, the ladies in my life made it very clear that I did not do a good job with it. Uh, When I say the ladies in my life, so my wife has told me, okay, you shared about the money, but you made it sound like, well, you know, branch has been around for 10 years. We've had times like this. The Lord has always shown up. And so, hey, here's the situation, but hey, it's going to be fine. And I said, well, that's kind of what I think. She goes, yeah, but people didn't hear that. All they hear is the tone, like, okay, so nothing's really happening. And I'm like, oh, well, that's Steph. And then Kim, our executive pastor, said, you know, Boog, I don't think that you did a very good job with it. You should have said it. And she said basically the exact same thing that Steph did. And so let me try this again. And then I'll tell you how I did with my report card next week. So first of all, when it comes to the finances, you need to know where the money goes. There's the obvious things for us to rent, like we have to rent this space, we have to rent where we meet, we have the staffing uh, expenses, but there's so much more than that. And so I want to just give you a little highlight on it, because this is what the elders do. They wrestle with these kind of decisions. They wrestle with the finances. So I try to categorize it in one way or another, and some of these fit in multiple categories, and there's things that are missing here, because this isn't exhaustive. Um, but when we talked about the money, my friend said, you know what? When you share the money, you need to tell people where it's actually going. And so um, Scripture talks about us as a church needing to care for the widows and the orphans. Many of the ministries and the things that are involved at branch some of you are widows and orphans that are here today. But in terms of things that you can actually see and hold, we work with family assistance ministry, and we give them finances. Uh, Red and El Salvador, for those that have been... That's a rough place, and people going through rough things. And so the money that comes to branches also goes out there. The captives, the abused, the neglected, Jesus said, I came to set them free. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. But also, we try to do that through um, La Casa in San Juan and supporting I Sanctuary. Several of you here, all the things that we are ministry partners with, there's people from branches that either went and started it, or they're there right now helping. And so iSanctuary is one of those, helping um, with human trafficking all over the world, especially in India and in right here next to the U.S. and Mexico. Kids and youth, that's why I want you guys to stay. And I want the adults to be able to see you because truthfully, I know this sounds can sound weird, but you're more important because you have this life ahead of you and we need to pour into you because people old... Like me, we only got a little more time left. And so when we share this gospel, we want to share it to you as soon as possible and to share with you the truth that God loves you, that he sets you free, but he also wants to change you. And so we do that through our children's ministry, junior high and high school ministry, the events, the camps. Um, we also do it by walking closely with Young Life, um, also La Casa, Awareness Cambodia, um, who we support. We've sent people there. Um, and then all of our family ministries. And then, of course, a big part of where we want this money to go is sharing the good news of the gospel. That's what the gospel means, good news that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, that all of us are embraced by him. He he loves all of us, regardless of your background or your present ground. But the good news also is that he intends for us to change on holy ground. When you get to holy ground, as we're going to get to in the message here in a little bit, things change. And so with La Roca uh, down in Mexico, um, with all of our branches, ministries, with our groups, events, all of that is geared in one way or another to share this truth. So that's where the money's gone. So every year we set up a budget. Um, and I want to show you that they look like it looks like they're out of order. Makes sense, because I was in charge of it. So one of the slides somehow is missing. Um, so when we started the year, we had a budget of uh, four hundred fifty thousand dollars coming in, four hundred fifty thousand dollars going out. Now, if you've ever been involved in church ministry, most people are like, oh my gosh, that's so low. How are you guys making it? Most of you don't know church finances, but that's this is a streamline. This is streamlined, streamlined down to the nitty gritty. And so, um, as of July thirty first, as we shared back in in, uh, well, I, I think it was April, maybe May. Since January, something happened. Primarily, it happened in one month December we don't know what happened mainly the economy and finances and the perfect storm but we had the worst year-end giving ever now that's not unique to our church many of the churches and ministries some of you are involved in ministries you know what I'm talking about for some reason whether it's taxes or economy or whatever it all fell apart and so our year-end giving was basically a third Almost a third to a half of what it usually is. Which is like, wait, what just happened? And when you set the, the budget for the future year, you base it on the years before. And so it's always grown just incrementally. Nothing huge. We've never had any years where it went really high and we've never had any years where it went down. So it's gradually grown a little bit. But as of July 31st, this is what it is. So we've actually cut salaries. We've cut We've cut, 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 cut. We're down. We can't cut anymore. But still, only 62% of the budget has been raised when 71% of it should be with the cuts. So, and this is where the ladies in my life said, you didn't communicate clearly enough. Because they want to make sure they know what's happening, when it's happening. And that's wisdom. And so, um, what's going to happen is, at the end of the year, this is our best projection. We will have lost $40,000. $40,000. And we've cut our budget by a significant amount, um, but the giving is not matching with the expenses, and we just can't cut anymore to be the community of faith that we are. Now, there's so many things we can do about this, but I want to make sure that I got a good report card and communicate clearly with you where the finances are at. So if things don't change, there is a chance that Branches is going to have to shut its doors in about four, five, six months, if things don't change. Now, year-end is coming, and hopefully that will be back to normal. We don't know. We're not in control of this. And so when we sing these songs of worship and we talk about it, and we talk about the message, this is where it just comes down to. We surrender all. And so for us on staff, for us in leadership, we're like, Lord, we're doing the best we can. This is your church. You called us to plant it. We planted it. It belongs to you. It's not our job to make it go. We're not going to try to sell things or move things. But, Father, what do you want? But it's our job to also communicate where things are at. And then it was commu- we need to communicate clearly. Like some of you are like, wait, can we give? How do we give? I've never given. So you can go online and figure that out if you want. Um, we have an online banking and snail-, snail mail. Venmo. Our millennials were very clear to me that we needed to have Venmo. So we've had that for quite some time. And then if you're a member at Branches, you know that you have your um, online account and you can do it through the online website. So um, that's where the finances are at, which would sound weird that I'm going to go from that to this other change that we see coming on the horizon. Uh, Many of you have heard me talk about this. We don't really talk about it from up front, um, but we talk about it all the time. We, as a church have never wanted to own a building, never wanted to own a space because I personally don't believe churches are great stewards of property because things change, especially here in the West. But if you've traveled to England or Europe or other places around the world, you'll see large, amazing church buildings that are empty. They're not even being used because things change. Um, In fact, as we talked about before, church buildings didn't even exist until like the third, fourth century. They would just meet. They'd meet in wherever they could. Wherever they could find a place, they would meet. However, um, it's been on my heart for a while that that needs to change. So for over two years, we've been looking at it from different angles um, and haven't been able to pull it off. So I've looked outside of branches pretty much the entire time because I didn't want the church to have to own property or manage it or be landlords. Because we've always waited for someone else that owned a business or owned property to say, hey, you know what? You know what would be great? Why don't you just come use our facility? Here, use it. Use it on Sunday mornings. Use it on this night. We're going to run our businesses still, but we're going to run our businesses also to make sure that you can meet here. Well, it's been 10 years, and no one's knocked on our door. And trust me, we've knocked on their door. So um, me and a few other people have made a decision We're just not going to wait for another business to come do it. We're just going to start a business and then try to give it back to branches to use. That business is going to have to provide the funds. And then hopefully the church can rent it back for a dollar a year or something like that. That is the goal. Now, I I get scared saying that because then people are like, it's happening. It's not easy. (laughs) When you meet with commercial real estate agents and they're looking around, There's not very much property around here. We've had to resort to not trying to find empty spaces, but going to existing spaces and say, hey, would you sell your business? Hey, would you do this? Would you do that? Because it just doesn't exist. Now, we're not giving up, but that's our intention, to find some kind of property. To give you a general picture of what we're looking for, in case you have it, and you want to give it or sell it, We want to create a mixed-use space. Mixed-use, what does that mean? It means it's used for different things. There's all kinds of models out there. No one is doing what we're doing, by the way. I've looked all over the U.S., all over the world. There's versions similar, but the people I'm talking to are going, whoa, that's a good idea. Wait, can we get in on that? Hey. But this doesn't exist anywhere, so this is brand-new territory to create a mixed-use where multiple things are happening there it's for kingdom work, but it's sustained by for-profit ventures and partnerships. The church has always done this. Paul was a tent maker. The early church, the monks, they would they'd create businesses. The monasteries would create business out of there to provide what they were doing. But then somehow we lost that. So there is no space that we're moving to. However, that is fully our intention outside of branches so we're not expecting you to fund this or to do that but we need you to pray for it and and again this is what we think god wants to do but i'm not all knowing the lord doesn't sit down with me pass me a scone and a coffee in the morning and say hey let's talk about what we got going on like we talked about to listen takes effort but from what we know this is what he's guiding us to so those are some of the changes some of the hopeful changes that are coming. Um, So I want to pray now because I want to talk about something I think is actually more important. Maybe not as TMZ-ish, but I think it's extremely important because with all these changes, there's something that needs to not only stay the same, but needs to be rooted in our hearts. Because if you call branches home, you need to understand this is who we are and what we're about. And anyone that's visiting or comes and, and sees what branches is about, we want them to catch that and not be confused. So... Let me pray for us, and then let the Lord guide us. Father God, like everything, I want to surrender this time to you. We all surrender our minds and our hearts. We ask that uh, your spirit would take over, that uh, the messenger, me, would get out of the way, and that you would be all that remains this in Jesus name. Amen. So this message, so I basically I couldn't contain it. So this is the new journal. So you want to know some chaos? Yeah, that's all this message. Yeah. Now I know you're thinking you're going to be here for an hour and a half. don't worry, because I shrunk it down to just that. But a lot of this is going to seep out over the next few months because we're going to start going through the book of Acts. Starting August 25th, we're going through the book of Acts together. It helped plant this church. It's rooted us. And so I want to start by being there in Acts. And so um, I talked about being called to plant branches. But I I think I want to give a little more, for those of you that don't know, background. It will be short, but I was extremely comfortable. I didn't realize it. I was a pastor at the time, with Shoreline, we'd planted Shoreline together, and um, I didn't want to be a pastor, so then we did, we kept doing the youth ministry, and then through that process, the Lord was putting on our heart, and I was like, oh no, oh no, and so then I remember we went to Africa, we taught through the book of Acts there, and that's when God was putting it on my heart, like, I want you to present yourselves to Shoreline and say you're willing if that's what they want to do. Now, when you do that, what you're saying is, what do you want me to do, Lord? You have to have that attitude to begin with because when he interrupts and he's inconvenient, and oh, that was inconvenient in so many ways. But when he comes in, you have to already have it clear in your heart and in your mind that you're going to say, whatever, whatever you want. What should I do? I am yours. Now, that seems, oh, that sounds good. But we are trained in exactly the opposite way. I have been trained in exactly the opposite way. Growing up as a 70s, 80s kid, I always think of Burger King, and it made perfect sense, right? When they said, you know, you can have it your way. I'm like, yeah, of course. My parents were always like, oh, my gosh. Why does this kid think he can can always have it his way? Now, they did the same thing with their parents. This isn't a new thing. This isn't just our culture this has been going on since the beginning of time. We as people want to be served. We want people to come to us and go, what should I do for you? In fact, it's so embedded and trained into us. There is a, uh, someone was sharing, I was going through the message with them this week. Okay, I'm going to roll them. It was Jeremy. And I was going through the message with Jeremy, and he said, you know what? I saw this billboard, and it was up in Los Angeles, and I think this billboard says clearly what I'm talking about today, being trained to have it our way. And it was a, it was a dating site. I actually looked it up because I was like, is this for real? And it was very unique, but normal. Like, it wouldn't shock you. If you were driving, you'd see it. It wouldn't shock you because it's normal. It's part of our culture. It says this. It says, relationships, dot, 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 on your terms. Makes perfect sense, right? I mean, relationships on your terms. Of course, Of course it needs to. But I know that whoever came up with that billboard either hasn't been married or won't be married for long. (laughs) Because that's not real life. We live that way. We look that way. In fact, every time I I marry couples, I have them write their vows. And I keep them. I keep them and I hold on to them tight because they're going to need them later. Because when they make those promises, they're nothing but promises. And I'm looking over at Hayden and Hannah since they were just recently married. So as you look at those vows, see, now you're getting all red in the face. And I'm not talking about Hannah. I'm talking about Hayden, which is a lot, considering you're very dark-skinned. But they're going to need to hold on to those vows. Because what's going to happen, as all of you know who are married or have been married, it's not on your terms. If it is, it doesn't work. We're trained that way, so why are we trained in something that's not going to work? Because us as married couples need to hold those promises. Because they're promises where we say, basically, what do you want me to do for you? Because I am choosing in marrying you to surrender myself to you, to love you, to give my life away to you. And I choose to give my life away to you. That's what's in the vows. But so often in the back of our heads, we're like, and I can't wait to see what I'm going to get. I can't wait to see how you say nice things to me and all the lovemaking that's going to happen, and the traveling, and, and, and this, and that, and this. and Whatever your list is, you're going to, I don't know. I don't want to start making stuff up. <laughs> but that's not the way life works, if you want it to work. And in life, and especially as it involves our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, we cannot approach it this way. Because when you are in God's presence and you have that relationship with him and you have those moments of encounter with God, when you're in his presence, you will not say, you know what, this is what I'd like you to do for me. You may pray that way. You may think that way. And you may be frustrated when God doesn't do what you want to do. But when you're in his presence, that's not what comes out of your lips. I talked about this a few weeks ago when Isaiah was in, in the throne room of God. He stepped back and he said, whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. I shouldn't be here. And yet God gave him something to do. Because when you're in God's presence, that's the way it feels. I remember at one time um, when I was working with youth and we had this, this experience where God was there. And I literally left all the teenagers and ran out into the woods made no sense at all, but it was God's presence, and I felt unworthy to be there. It wasn't like, oh, God, I'm so glad you finally showed up. I've been waiting for you because I got a list here of things that really need to be changed. I need, this, this is not working for You just don't do that when you're in God's presence. That's not the way it works. In fact, um, one of our, our, so we've had camps for the kids and the teens If you're a parent and your kids haven't shared, you need to corner them and say, tell me what you saw. Because God was moving. As we talked about, if you want to hear God, he removed the distractions. So when you go up to camp or or the men who are going to Mexico or the women on their retreat, when you get away and you can turn off the phones and everything disappears, you're in a better place to hear God. And some of them were in God's presence and God was moving. And one of the leaders that was on that trip, she said, it was so overwhelming, I just felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. I knew God was present, and I just, I just wanted to hand my life over to him more. There was love. He, he was there. When we planted branches, he called us, but selfishly within us. And I think this is an okay thing. I wanted people to know, to have, to experience the freedom that we, have. we want them to have what we have. And when God shows up and you see his graciousness and his compassion and his power, I mean, that's the thing with God. When Isaiah is in his presence, when this leader was there, when I was there, when you're in God's presence, it changes everything. You approach him in this holiness. You're on holy ground. You're, you're not afraid. There's a difference between fear and being afraid or scared. When you're in God's presence, there's a fear there. There's an awe because he's God. But you're not afraid. You're not scared. And that that relationship is one in which you gladly say on your terms. And so as we jump in here, I want to look in Acts. Acts. That's something that was very important to us planting branches. But also the element that needs to stay here. The element of who we are. When people come to branches and leave, we want them to say this about us. If it's here, which by the way, the plan is, is to stay here for the foreseeable future. The other place is, is a mess. The floors is ripped up. And, and this place, they love us. They actually want us here. And if they want us here... And it fits, that's where we want to be. But we're not defined by, oh, you know what, the parking's better at that church. Is that really how we're going to be defined? No. Is it, wow, that guy that speaks most of the time, he just wanders. Hopefully that doesn't define us. If I was an amazing communicator, it wouldn't be, oh, you got to come to hear this guy. That shouldn't be define us. You shouldn't come here for me, and you shouldn't leave here for me. You shouldn't come here for the kids' ministry. You shouldn't leave from here because of the kids' ministry. You shouldn't come here because your teens are being impacted. You shouldn't leave here because you're like, "Mm, I think I wanted this more. We don't come on our terms. When we come into God's presence and we come among his people, this needs to define us. People need to say this about branches. They need to say, you know what? These people, for all of their faults and all of their weirdness, and all the things I think they should do different. The one thing I know about them is that they are completely surrendered to God. They are surrendered to him. And they're working so hard to surrender to each other. To really love their neighbors as themselves. When people come to the youth group, the junior high group or the high school group. When they go on the kids camp, they need to be, these kids need to come and go, what is, these kids are different. They're different in all kinds of ways, but this thing—this is what defines them. They may like it, they may not. It doesn't matter. But it should be unmistakable that we are a people surrendered to God, that are coming not on our terms, but coming to Him on His terms. And in the same way, the way we interact with each other should be such that we're not like, ah, oh, you know what? You didn't give me what I wanted. It's more, hey, how can I love you? Not how can I please you. That's a completely different thing. But how can I love you? So let's look at that a little more clearly. So. We talked about being in God's presence. And so Peter, who wanted it all on his terms, finally gets it. He's like, oh, okay. And so God sends him out. So he inconveniently gives up his fishing business and is now walking around with no job. And he's preaching this good news. And so right after Pentecost, he's sharing this good news. And it's basically, it's like during Mardi Gras, so to speak. Everybody's there. So imagine some kind of situation where for that town, that community, everybody comes. And so all of the people of Israel are returning back to Jerusalem. And here we have Peter. And he starts talking about Jesus. What? And he starts going through all of the religious history. His religious history. He said, this happened and this happened. And look what it says in Joel. And look what happens here. And then Jesus comes. And you crucified him. He is the Lord and Messiah. And you crucified him. And the Spirit of God was so strong on Peter that it was the Spirit they heard, not Peter. Because when it comes to people speaking, they can only move you for so long. But when God is speaking, things change. And so God is speaking through Peter to these people. And in that process, this is what they say. When the people heard this, They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? So you have all these people that are coming to the realization through the spirit of God, this is who Jesus is. Lord and Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, God himself has come. And they come to that realization. They know it in their heart. They know it. Oops. So what do we do then? Do you see that attitude, that surrender, okay, what should we do? And so Jesus, his spirit through Peter says this, repent and be baptized. Now when you hear the word repent, as we've talked so many times, you're like, okay, so feel bad and then go get baptized. That's not what repent means. And so to make sure we understand, I'm going to use a different translation that translates that word repent correctly. From the voice, reconsider your lives. Change your direction. So what should we do? And then through Peter, God says, repent and be baptized. Or reconsider your lives, change your direction, and be baptized. And so you've got this large group. And by the way, for the most part, all during the early church, they're small. You've got everyone together. But they're all going back to their homes. And so they all go back home and they have these churches. And all of those churches that they have are smaller than the people that are in this room right now. So our group, if we were there at the early church, we would be the mega church. Because it was just people gathering together saying, okay, let's reconsider our lives. Let's change our direction. We belong to him. And we're going to approach God now saying, what should we do? Because Jesus himself said, I will build my church. The word church just meant group. Super simple. But he also said this about the church. He said, but this is my bride. Now think about that for a second. Jesus is calling us his bride. He's calling Shoreline his bride. He's calling Our Lady of Fatima our bride. Whatever church that has surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ completely, that's his bride. If Stephanie was back serving the kids, because, well, she's awesome, if she were to walk in here right now and go, you know what? There was someone that walked back, and they, they really took care of me. They really loved on me. It was so kind of them. In my heart, that person has done something kind for me. They've done something beautiful for me because they've done it to my wife. And in the same way, if someone goes and kicks my wife in the shins, it's like they kicked me in the shins. And so this early church is his bride. And the people that are gathered there, it's all new. It always is good. It's nice and easy when it's new, just like a marriage. Yay, we're married. Yay, we're a new church. And so everybody's on board. But you know, then life really happens. But in the beginning, as they were trying to figure this out, it says this is what they turned into. This is what the church turned into. It says that they devoted themselves To the apostles, they're teaching. So the apostles were basically just teaching what Jesus said. So they didn't didn't surrender necessarily to the apostles. They surrendered to the teaching because they were with Jesus. And Jesus said, go and teach them all that I've taught you. So they were coming to the apostles to hear this because they were coming with this attitude of, what should we do? Teach us. What should we do? So they were devoted to that. And they were devoted to fellowship. So they were devoted to each other. Now, devoted is one of those words that we kind of throw around, but in this context, what it means, because it's used in other places in the New Testament, so we know exactly what they meant. It meant that they were persistently adherent to each other. They were persistently committed to God's word, to hearing what Jesus taught. They were persistent in prayer. They were persistent in being together and worshiping together. They were devoted to it. It was important. So this devotion defined them. That's what people need to see with us. Because if if we get this new building, which is my plan, you know what's going to happen? People just start showing up. I don't know why it works that way. I do know because it's the culture. Ooh, you got to. Okay, sounds good. I'll go there now. Is that good or bad? I don't think it's that great. <laughs> but it's going to happen. But what's important is that when the people come, they need to find this. They need to find us devoted. Because you become like those who you walk with. And if they're going to walk with us, and that's what it means to be a church, to be his bride, is that we're walking with him and we're walking with each other. And we want them to become like us as we seek to become like him. And the only way that's going to happen is through devotion, commitment, focus. Now, this doesn't mean try harder, okay, because we're doing the best we can now, but we need to remember what it means to be a church, because sometimes we get confused, sometimes we get thrown off. But this church begins to develop, and I love reading this, because I've experienced this in this community of faith. There's so many things that are different about that early church than the churches today. Superficial stuff. But there's some stuff that's just it's the same. No matter what century you're following Christ. It says here that as they were devoted to each other, this is what happened. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, for us, it's not like you're like, "Whoa, look at what the elder team has done. <laughs> because for us, that has spread out. We consider that every member is a minister that means all of you have been gifted this way. In fact, in Ephesians, Paul says, hey, the job of the leadership of the church is to equip the people for these good works, for these miracles, for these signs, these wonders. And it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. That means all their stuff, all their time, their talent, their treasure was shared with each other. It was given to each other. They didn't expect it to be theirs. I see that happen all the time here. As I've shared before, there's certain people I can't let into my house. Because if they come into my house, they're going to see something that's missing. And they will go to their house and they will bring it and drop it off on my doorstep. I've seen that happen with you guys. In fact, just recently I saw something on my doorstep and I was like, okay, where would this come from? Steph, did you let somebody in the house? Did they see? It ended up being something completely different. But I've seen that. I've heard the stories from you where you take what you have and you, you hand it over to whoever has need. The youth are here, and uh, they went up to camp, and one of the guys that went, I'm like, you're going to do what? And it wasn't one of the teens, it was one of the adults. He's like, I'm going to go to camp because there's a need. I see this need. I want to fill this need. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to do what? You're old, bro. <laughs> have you been to camp before? Do you know what you're going to sleep on? You're going with junior hires. You're going with junior hire boys. Do you, are you sure you know what you're getting into? He said, man, I'm here. It's not what do I want. I want to do what he wants. But he was excited because when you do that, the good stuff happens. And so I saw him walk in today, and he's like, what's up? I did not expect him to even be here. Because not only did he come up here, but the dude is dealing with some serious physical issues. It's not just that he's old. It's that God has like, for some reason or another, allowed him to go through this physical pain. And we've been praying, for, and he's getting better, which is a miracle to let me tell you if, if it continues on that road. But he's like, so I can do this. So I, did, I, I, I expected physically he'd be broken and wouldn't physically be able to come. That's what it looks like to have everything in common. And they did it with their treasure as well. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I know of people here at Branches that, have, that know of other people who are dealing with things or some of them that know what Branches is going through. And they said, you know what? I'm willing to pull money out of retirement or this or that to invest. Why wouldn't I do it for this particular person? Or why wouldn't I do it for this family that's in need? Why wouldn't I do it for the church that I'm a part of? And so they're wrestling on God, this is your stuff. Do you want me to give it to this family? Do you want me to give it to this widow? Do you want me to give it to these kids in Cambodia? Do you want me to give it to branches so that they can do this or that? Like, what do you want? It's your stuff. And if you want me to sell this property or possessions, it's yours anyways. That's what it should look like. And every day... They continued to meet together in the temple, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They didn't just go and break bread and eat. It was an act of worship as well. They ate together, which was a huge part of that culture, but also on top of that, what they did was is, as at the Passover, they'd break the bread and remember Christ. So when we come here together, and there's someone leading from up front, or if we take communion, or if you go to someone else's house... Well, it's not church at the house. Yes, it is. This is not church. You are the church. And when the church is together, they worship together in all ways, praying together. Or even saying, you know what, look what the Lord has done, and just sharing that together. That's what these songs are, right? And so that's what these people did. They were devoted, and so this is what came out. And they were praising God enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, that doesn't mean everybody outside of the church, that's the favor they were talking about, the people inside. So what does it mean to have each other's favor? It means to assume the best. So the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So I'm going to do my best to wrap this up. And I want to do it clearly and not go too long, so I'm going to let you know a lot of this is going to be seeping out over the next few months, but what does this look like? I want us to just focus on two things. Gary, I call him Uncle Gary, Gary Ennis, he's not my real uncle, but I wish he was. He's old, he's wise, and he just has that tender heart, and so he's come here and spoke a few times, and he said when we were talking, he had a list for his church when he planted his church. And his list, I thought, that's such an awesome list. And he shared some of the things that he wished he could go back and tell his church. Because he doesn't head up that church anymore. Buzzy does. But as we were going through this list, I said, you know what? I got a list. And I want to share the two most important things from that list. Um, The first one, number one, is to be devoted to him. And in a very practical way, it means to be devoted to his word. If we want to ask God, what should we do, then the best, easiest place to get it is in his word. Now, we can treat the Bible like just another book because we're a reading culture for the most part. But I've traveled around the world. I lived in the south for five years. And there are many people where I lived and in other places in the world, they can't read. But when they come to Christ, they are still devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so many of them will grab their Bibles and they say, look, I don't know how to read this. And they'll figure out any way possible. We had Moffat here, and he talked about how he would learn from soup cans how to read and write. So he could read the word of God. And some of the people that I know have taken the word, and they'll go to other people that can read and go, read this to me. And they'll go through the words, and if they don't know where they go, hey, wait, slow down. Explain what that means. What is God trying to say right there? Their intention is to come to God and say, what do you want me to do? I'm coming to the word. How do you want me to see you? How you want me to see my neighbor? What do you have for my day-to-day life? It's all yours, and I want to hear you. So I'm going to come to your word. And yet, in this culture that we live in, this Christian culture, we don't read our Bibles. And if we do, we're just kind of reading hoping we're going to get something from it. All the time, how many times have you said this or heard this? You know what, I just love starting out my day in the word because it just makes my day better. You know what also makes my day better? A good cup of coffee. But that's not what we're talking about here. It's that idea of when you come to God's word, you're saying, okay, I keep going like this because this is what it looks like. Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want from me? Because I trust you. I know that you want what's good for me, even if it's not convenient, even if it's not comfortable, even if it's difficult. So be in the word. We're going to go through the book of Acts. Please don't come here. To have either me or one of the other teachers goes now here you go. Like you should be, you know what? If Boog passes out here or if he loses his voice, I can step up there. I can walk up right now because I've been reading this. And I, God is telling me something. It may not be eloquent. It may not, hey, I talk all the time and it's not eloquent. Obviously, what we're doing is seeking God's word and saying, God, what are you telling me? And then when we come up, we're sharing what God is teaching us. You are qualified and called to be devoted to his word. So that's on my list. Let's be in God's word. And for this period of time, we're going to start in Acts. So please start in Acts 1 this afternoon. The other thing I want to put on our list is that we would be devoted to each other. Now, I know that's a large way to say that. Like, what do you mean by devoted to each other? Let's start with this. When Gary started his church, he had a couple rules. He said, okay, when we're here and we plant this church, and he had a group of 30, he said, I want all of you here every single Sunday. Now, when we planted branches, and actually we planted it in this room, which is funny, we're back here again, and there were about 20 to 30 of us. And to me, it was just this expectation, we're always, always going to be here, of course. This is, we're going to be devoted and committed to this. But I would always say, but listen, these Sunday mornings are not nearly as important as the groups that you're in outside. The smaller churches, those are much more important. But I expected that those groups would happen also. Now, there are some of those groups, but not really. So many of you are not really devoted to each other on Sundays or in groups during the week. But yet... That is what we are called to. When we're called to God, when he calls us, he calls us to each other. It's part of the deal. And so to see this fullness, to see God move like we see in this early church, we need to be intertwined with each other, devoted to each other. The thing about, so this is what I'm saying, be here every Sunday. Well, That's just not possible. I know. It's not a matter of perfection. It's a matter of that devotion. So, for example, when I said, everyone, be here this Sunday, I was getting texts and emails from people that couldn't make it. But they were devoted. Just because they're not here doesn't mean they weren't devoted. They're like, hey, someone passed away, one of our dear friends, they lost their, their child, and we can't be here. And I'm thinking, no worries. You need to be there. Uh, uh, another guy, he came up with a lame excuse. Oh, my wife's about to have a baby. <laughs> Whatever. Of course he's Devoted. Of course he's committed. So it's not a matter of attendance. We're not going to start taking attendance, but it's that we need to be the people when people say, you know what, they're devoted to each other. Not only are they just there, but they're devoted. They're they're interacting. They're connected to each other. And in that, it means you're going to put up with each other. Here's the thing I've noticed with all the churches. People bounce around. So, like, when I have time off, I'll go and visit friends at other churches. When I go there, I'll see someone that I knew was at this church over there. I'm like, oh, did you guys move? Is that here? No. You know, the people over there, they said this and they did that. And so I'm done with them. They're, but this church, they're awesome. And then I'll go over to this church, the one they left, and someone from that church is now over here. Whoa, what's going on? Oh, man. Like, I wanted to do this. and They wouldn't let me do it. So forget that. I'm over here. That doesn't sound like devotion to each other. It sounds like I'll be devoted to you until I can't put up with you. And then I will move on. In fact, I was talking to another pastor, and I was going through the message with him. And he said this. He said, um, he said this, this couple came to our church from another church, and they walked in. He goes, oh, oh, how'd you find us? Well, we just looked on the internet, and the church we were at, they wouldn't let us start a choir, so we left. And he said, when they walked through the door and they said that, he goes, I knew the fuse was already lit, that they were going to launch off to somewhere else some other time. Because they weren't coming saying, what can I do to serve? I want to see the needs and I want to feel the needs with each other. I want to look around. There's a devotion to that. So to simplify it, be here every Sunday. Make it a commitment. Make it a focus. And I know it's tons of people, oh, you're, you go, oh, you're just talking right to me, aren't you? In fact, I was talking with one of the guys that runs The Sound and he's like, man, I haven't been around here. I should be here. And I said, okay, it's going to come up in the message and you're going to think I just made it up because you said that. That wasn't just for you. It was in the message before you ever walked through the door. This is, that's my list, because I think it will help us to move in this direction. Put some of the basics in place. So let me close with this. I want to invite Jer and Hoku to try to lead some worship. And um, Jer, of course, I stole your. You're going to need this, unless you've got them all memorized. Yeah, you easy to say, I stole it, did you? So if you guys could stand up with me and I'll, and I'll close with this. Thank you for being patient with me as I tried to keep it all in. Trust me. Some, a lot of it's still left there. But I, just, I feel so strongly about this. When we planted branches, as I said from the beginning, God called us out in 2008. Talk about bad time to plant a church. I was like, Lord, seriously this is the worst economic crisis in my lifetime really you sure you know what you're doing here those thoughts will always cross our mind when we're looking at what the lord wants us to do it's like lord what do you want me to do and i'll do it. so my assumption was he was calling us out to do something that wasn't going to last very long i'm like here we go shooting star now when i say shooting star i don't mean you know what a shooting star is it's a rock it's not a star it's not like, ooh, look at the star. It's just a rock. But it's moving so fast, there's movement there that it lights up. But then eventually it's like, I'm tired, and it falls to the ground. So I thought that's what the Lord was calling us to. I'm like, all right, if you want us to leave this life that we have, and go, we'll go wherever you send us because we belong to you. It's not on our terms, it's on yours. So be it. But for some weird reason, we're still here 10 years later. But there's no promise that we're going to be here next week. Some of those people who discovered that when they went to shortlist middle school, wait, where'd they go? There's no promises. We continually come to the Lord and say, what would you have us do? But for as long as we're here, it is my calling, it is my passion to always point us to the fact that we need to be hot like a shooting star, that we need to be focused and committed. We don't have to do it better or be perfect, just devoted. To him and to each other. And neither of those is comfortable. And neither of those is easy. But God knows what he's doing. And we put our trust in him. And that full abundant life will come from that. Even when you feel like you just can't put up with it. Anymore. So I want to pray for us. Uh, the offering's going to be passed at some time. We forgot all about that during the... Uh... <laughs> anyway, so I'll let them lead us from there. Um, the offering basket will come. If you're visiting, just let it pass. Um, unless God's put it on your heart, so be it. I used to always say that, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but if any words I threw out, if you're like, "Wait, is that is that accurate, Lord?" Come to Him with everything, and ask if this is what He's calling you to. Father, we surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're gonna sing one last song.
0: Book had asked us to close, so I'm going to flip it around, and this is going to be our close. I'm going to say it now, and then we're going to sing this together. So oftentimes, we can, we can, the background music is beautiful. Okay, okay. I feel like a poet, <laughs> set the mood. So instead of me closing, I'm going to actually steal lyrics from this song. And as Book said, these are things that he's hoping that we're devoted to the Lord and to each other. And those are just Jesus's words, right? All the law and the prophets hang on this that you would love God, and that you would love each other. So my closing is going to be the line from this song that we're going to sing together. It says, show me who you are, and fill me with your heart, and lead me in your love to those around me. I'm going to say it again. Show me who you are, and fill me with your heart, and lead me in your love to those around me. Let that be our prayer. If you guys want to stand as you are, that's great. If you want to close your eyes, close them. If you want to sit, this next about three minutes is a time just to, to set our minds on Jesus.